We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We thought we'd record from the road while we're actually out shooting. We're finishing shooting things for the Corvette film, and we're shooting, continuing to shoot for new episodes. And so we thought we'd actually record from the road, which is something we've done before. You've heard us do this Mm -hmm. before a little bit, but Chance is with us as well. And we thought we'd cover a car debate that Chance can speak to as well. He's got some experience here. And then we've got a ton of questions from you guys. Thank you very much. We've been out shooting all day, so how, th- this ask, is going to be crazy. How are we still shooting both the Corvette film and season four? Shouldn't <laughs> both of sure. those be done by now? I mean, it feels you'd like think, you'd it think. feels like we've been shooting Corvettes for half of a calendar year. Oh, but look at it this way: the the shooting is done, and every time the, I get the, in, the what the I'm filming, the actual of, filming is done. Yes, but it the, is. The, but the deadline mm-hmm. clock is ticking, and it's ticking there quickly. There is that. Yes, and, and there's lots of editing to do. It, yeah, it's, it's thundering away on the wall. <laughs> And I feel like every time I get in a Corvette now, something terrible is going to happen. I have to admit, I've got a little bit of PTSD related to Corvettes, so i got to be very careful. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, at least, like I said, the filming is done. We're working our way towards that. But we keep shooting for episodes for TV. That yeah. It's incredible. So we're in L.A. this week and uh, doing a bit of shooting, as we said. And we've got this debate here that we thought we'd cover because we just finished driving and shooting the 2019 ZR1 Corvette. The new king of the hill, the big monster, because... You should hear our background conversations, and we're constantly asking ourselves, would we buy that car? And this is after the cameras stop rolling, and then we think of cool stuff we'd rather say on camera. Not, you know, not that they'd make it on camera with all the other stuff we have to say about the cars. True. But... But But the ZR1, honestly, for the person that looked at the Corvette Z06 and said, that's not powerful enough... I, I don't know who this person is, honestly. So I, I came across this Genovations Corvette at Quail. Yeah. Chance and I were there, and we're looking at this thing, and it's the 800 electric horsepower replacing the drivetrain in your C7. Because, you know, 755 or 650 or whatever the number is just wasn't enough. Yeah, let's yeah, go and, electric. And our joke was, well, you take the Tesla drivetrain out of the Tesla and put it in the Corvette, and you put the Corvette drive, the LS motor, and put it into right. the Tesla. And it's everybody's LT happy. Motor, the, but you know what I mean? The carpool sticker go along with the thing, you know? Like, I mean, you're, you're going to hear the engine it. Or with well, the, the carpool motor, sticker's but... on the outside of your Tesla Model S, and now oh, you've true. got so an now LS you can motor in it, and you're, drop you're, the, you've got the, the best motor. of all worlds. Teslas yeah. that make noise. That'd be okay. interesting. You, you realize you'd have to retrofit an exhaust pipe on a Tesla? <laughs> just, I'll just, just cut the hole right, right here. Just gonna, I'm going to decide <laughs> sure. to put an exhaust pipe you're, on you're my Tesla. You're removing the battery floor, so I mean... Yeah, you got all kinds of options. you got all kinds of room. Yeah, we're off in the weeds. We will also be doing a lot of really great questions. Thank you guys for all the really cool questions. But this car debate is actually Corvette-related, but it's interesting because it's looking at a Corvette from... I hate to say it this way, but it's looking at Corvette through the eyes of the things that always concerns us, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, and I'm going to put it candidly, old guys in Corvettes, but <laughs> we, like, have, we have an email here c- concerning issue shopping here. for dad. All right, so this email comes from Matt here, and he is asking, actually, he had some questions for you to start off with about some tires, which I want you to touch on, because he's using those Indy 500 tires that you are now gaining experience with. They've, you've had them on track, you've had them a bunch of different places, but really what he's coming to us with is this question, and that is, his dad is turning 70 in early mm-hmm. 2019. Yeah. And we don't know his dad's name, but happy birthday. Happy and early hello, birthday. I'm sure you're listening at this I point. I know yeah. you're going to be listening to this podcast together. Yeah. So 
His mom has set savings aside specifically to buy him a Corvette for this milestone birthday because when Matt was a kid, his dad had a 69 and a 71 convertibles before, mm-hmm. you know, he and uh, his siblings showed up. And well, he's, it was before they were kids. He's well, yeah. Be, before yeah, before he, they showed up. He got rid of them when he became exactly. a dad, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so he says, you know, my dad's not a speed demon. He's not a track day star. He's not a car collector. Yeah. He has no need for the high-powered, super, you know, let's go crazy with the trim levels or the special edition levels. So what kind of thing could he get? And Matt mm-hmm. breaks the email down and goes a number of different places. I don't know if you guys noticed here, but yeah. he is asking about different budgets and he says starting off with how about a C1 a C2 45 to 65 grand and bring a trailer and as much as we look at bring a trailer stuff i mean we're yeah. constantly obsessing <laughs> really? then when it comes down to it and i think huh should i register myself as a bidder and do i actually go through you know do i yeah. go after yeah, some yeah. stuff we're seeing prices on there that can be a little bit ludicrous for some cars. And you think that's a bring a trailer price. That's not a normal car. You got it over here and somewhere else kind of price. Well, I mean, the other part of this question that Matt brings up is when they figure out what car they're chasing, should they go to the auction? So he starts on bring a trailer and he finishes the email with an auction. And I'm going to say something to you over, overarching both of those, Matt. And that is, I unless you are there to kind of brag about the fact you bought the really exclusive car and you want a one-off and you don't mind paying auction fees, I think generally both auctions and bring a trailer are the wrong place to take smart money to buy a car. Well, yeah, but it's like gambling in Vegas. It's like, you know, it, you're doing it for the sport, for the fun. Yes. That is the wrong place to take your money for entertainment. That is sure. the wrong sure, thing sure. to do. Why don't you just spend 14 bucks and go see a movie? Or 12 bucks, or however much. <laughs> Fair and, point. Fair and point. generally speaking, these auction cars are the prestigious, top-of-the-line, recent restoration. Yeah. yeah. Or and no, they're all original. They've made they, it back to the auction. Like, oh, are, we saw this car two or three years ago, or whatever. Yeah. Here they are again. They are like, straight-up collector's cars, and that's why they bring big dollars. On yeah. top of being the whole Barrett-Jackson thing, or Hemmings, or, or wherever, Meekum, they have that prestigious thing behind them now whereas if you go and read your local classifieds ads or you know browse those kinds of ads they're not going to be the perfect cars they're going to be the driver cars they're going to be the ones that someone used and just loved and took care of and which i think is what you want the perfect car yeah so we're looking for matt's dad here Mm -hmm. we're looking Mm -hmm. specifically for corvettes and i come away from the film after shooting everything kind of feeling Immersed in facts and immersed in the culture now. I well, I hesitate to say, oh, I'm an expert. I know everything. Not I'm, by any I'm means. not saying not that. I'm just saying, all right, we've immersed ourselves for the past few months in, in Corvette lore yes. and history. But we're not looking for everybody else. We're looking for Matt's dad. That's true. I mean, the thing that happens with any time we do one of these generational feature films is you and I end up drinking from the fire hose of that brand <laughs> yeah. for a few months. Exactly. And it, it, it's a little bit shell-shocked. We just kind of come out of it and all we keep going, you know, we, we, we twitch and say Corvette. So that's kind of where we are right now. But what's interesting is, you know, you and I, in our approach to the film, really talk about all the nuances of, and I don't want to give the film away because I'm still editing it, but well, we talk yeah. about all the nuances yeah. of how it drives. But the thing we're looking for here is what are we getting for the 70th birthday anniversary milestone thing? we got to get back to Corvettes. Well, yeah, and he's saying this is the car, kind of a long-term, this is now my car. This I, will be the splurge. This is yeah. the, the big spin. And so Matt says, you know, he's his dad is claiming to have a bit of older car experience, but as an alternative, 
why not a C5, 6, or 7? You know, something still in the modern range of Corvettes. It's kind of yeah. funny everybody considers modern cars starting with a C5 Corvette. Yeah. Uh, well, there's many reasons for that. But, you know, he's saying, all right, his dad's pretty frugal. So maybe a modern vet for 50 grand, but that's going to depreciate pretty quickly still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you go, you know, try to get something modern for 30? Or, you know, do we start out and get the vintage car and spend 60 grand, something like that? He's throwing out so many different he options has. here. There's a million ways to We've got to kind of, you know, bring this back and say, for the long-term car, something that you're just... You're going to want to go drive. You're going to go out to your Agreed. garage and think, Agreed. you know, it's yep. a beautiful day, Saturday mm-hmm. morning, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you I want to go for a drive. The usage of this will be fun car only. They're not, it's not, the daily cars are going to stick around. They've got a pickup in, in, in play here. Daily cars are going to stick around. That's not an issue. This is just the, like, he's, he might take his mom antiquing. They might go for a fun Sunday drive. Yeah, right. This is not a let's go track. But here's the thing I do think is interesting. By the way, they live 30 miles from VIR. Yes, well, yeah. maybe, his dad's not maybe, a track you should, maybe you should go tracking. Do you just, yeah. you really just, want to reconsider just, that sentence? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, I, and I honestly do submit to you, both Matt and, and Matt's dad, hello again, dad, that, you know what, we do encourage you, whatever Corvette you get into, and I'm going to go a little more modern for you, and I'll explain why in a second, but I do encourage you to go to some sort of event, even if it's just an autocross, and see where the limits of the car are. Even if you need to ride right seat and let somebody else drive it so that you have an understanding for how capable modern cars are. I think that is so illuminating to drivers in general. Even if you don't want to do it, you should have some sort of experience with your car and what's possible. But here's the thing that I find interesting. There's obviously a nostalgia factor with mom here. There's a nostalgia factor with dad. Yeah. But he's, yeah. he owned these cars, the 6970, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said that he's had the old cars, but this needs to run and have good air conditioning and be accessible. That's where I was and starting, actually. That's my starting place. Dad's 70 years old. My yeah. father is also 70 years old. And the comedy that ensued in getting my dad in and out of the Lotus, it, it, I mean, honestly, <laughs> when my dad got in and out of the Lotus, thank God we could take the top off, okay? I actually still enjoy your story about him and the Evora on track. Yeah. And he's he's not used to you know holding your upper body in yeah. place. You actually have to, you know, exert sure. some force For when sure. the car's on yeah. track and hold yourself in place. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, if you're just using a passenger He's car. He's leaning way fell. over and practically hitting me with his helmet. It's like, Dad, you got to sit up. But, but <laughs> like, the, what are you doing? But the, the, <laughs> the Elise is very hard for him to get into. Now, I realize we're not talking about Lotuses, but I bring it up because the C1 and C2 generations are not easy to get in and out of. They no, have it immovable is the, the steering Lotus wheels. kind of trick. Yes. You stick a leg in and you... You know, slide in this way, and then you, you know, you're using different muscles you don't use every day. It's not yeah. easy to get in and out of. And all of these owners that that we had that we had for the film, some of them were older guys, and it was a process to watch them get in and out of some of these cars. So I don't think the older ones are for you, just because of accessibility. And then be- behind that, just get something new and reliable. So when you go out to the garage, you can get in it easy. It's comfortable. There's nice air conditioning. It starts. There's not a problem. It's not a process. I'm, I'm agreeing with you because I'm thinking about the early vets. And without wanting mm-hmm. to give away anything about the film or our experiences, yeah, old cars, I'll just say in general, old cars, I mean, Chance, you know this, yeah. they take your time and energy and money and love to keep them going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless they're perfect 
auction cars, and then you don't want to drive them because they're perfect auction cars. Yeah, fair. Those are the ones that run, but the ones that don't quite, and you got them for cheap, you're constantly having to pour money and time. Mm-hmm. And, well, yeah. the thing, I, I didn't buy the correct part or, you know, whatever that is, or the yeah. the quality part. And so the one yeah. I bought previously stopped. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to now replace that stupid thing. And if you're not into wrenching on your car, then that, that becomes a problem really quickly because For these sure. old cars, there's always going to be some dumb little thing that mm-hmm. it may cost 10 bucks at the local parts store to fix, but you still got to go and fix it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I agree and disagree with you guys. I mean... He said he had a, a 69 and a 71 right. way back when. Right. And I keep thinking about, again, not to give too much away about the film, but we had a, a beautiful 1968 Corvette. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And guys, like, you know, you look at the cars you had, you look at your dad's car, Todd, mm-hmm. the old Jag he had, yeah. and you just wish he had it again. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And I think he does, too. But... So he could be, you know, you give him a 68 or a 69 or a C3 Corvette. Yeah. Even if it's a convertible, you'll be able to get in and out, out of it a little easier than the, the earlier cars. The but top's not the problem, still... it's the steering wheel. Anyway, sorry, in the on. early, <laughs> yes. There, there are issues there. Yes. But You're living, like Quasimodo, the... like leaning into the steering wheel, <laughs> trying to turn the corner with your... Put your back into it. What? It's a steering but wheel. There's... There's the nostalgia factor here, though, and they, they yeah. might just love that charm of the old car again when, if they experience it one more time. Yeah. But I do think the the way to go, honestly, you're laughing, I know, but the, the way to go, though... The, the think, feeling of uncomfortability that you're feeling, that's charm. Exactly. <laughs> you're everything, hating yourself right now. That's charm. Keep telling you yourself right that's now, charm. That's what you paid money for. <laughs> hey. Aren't are we charming? We're a charming couple driving yeah. down the road, right? Oh, but that, I, I, that's what he can, he can say to your mother. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the answer here, though, might be that C6 Grand Sport. Mm. It's the sweet spot of the C6. It's got the suspension of the the Z06, but uh-huh. it's still got the base engine. Right. They're reason, pretty reasonably priced, actually. You mm-hmm. can get them in an automatic or a manual. You can get them so you can get the top off, the Targa or a convertible, uh-huh. and have all the things uh-huh. that these cars are kind of designed for, really. We've run into a large problem Uh with having Chance on the podcast because he just stole my sniper shot. I feel (laughs) exactly the same way, Matt. That's exactly the car I was going to recommend because 30, 35 grand, those cars look good. They feel modern. I agree with everything Chance said. I think that's the play. I think C6 Grand Sport. If you're going to pick it too, Paul, then then Matt's going to be required to buy one. I'm kind of, well, I was actually thinking C6. I hadn't quite gone to Grand Sport yet. Grand Sport's the play. But I had gone to C6, Matt, because of the modernity, because of it's not the brand new car. It's not the latest generation that Mm -hmm. you're fearful of plummeting plummeting in value still. Even though we have proven... C7s are now, at least the Z06s, are $55,000, which well, is crazy, but the they're base still ones, going down. The base ones are less than forty. You could go yeah. buy a base C7 yeah. right now for less than forty. But anyway, go on. I mean, well, maybe a base C7. Okay, here we go. Base C7 versus that Grand Sport C6. Do you do you go there? Because I, I would love you to be in the most modern car. And if I you're not that. tracking it, Matt's dad, and mm-hmm. you're not... You know, hair on fire. You're just enjoying sports car driving. Mm-hmm. I'm almost kind of leaning towards the base C7 
for 40-ish, somewhere in there, depending on the miles, the transmission. You can find can one for less than is. 40. Yep. Here's the thing. The less than 40 ones are probably going to be automatics anyway. If you can find a less than 40 automatic C7, that's a really compelling buy. And I'm going to say the thing that I always go to because that's what the podcast is about. Go drive those two generations. Drive a C6 Grand Sport and a C7 Base. The C7 is the better car, but the Grand Sport is the way you want the C6. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting discussion point. The C7 is a nicer interior across the board. There's no question. That's the main place that in your usage you're going to notice a difference. So yeah. I think that's the only reason the C7 would win would probably just be straight-up interior. The Grand yeah, Sport C6, sure. I, I've driven it on track. I've driven it on the street. It's a great, great car dynamically. But... The places where it's an asset might not uh, rule the C7 if you can find that good deal. That's the question, though. And honestly, yeah. though, at his age, an automatic may not be a bad thing. Oh, I think uh, I using think a clutch I could be a killer on your knees I, or yeah, your back. I no, I think this is this or... is an automatic purchase. I think that this is a car in automatic. I mean, look, if you want to get this the manual transmission, of course we're going to back your play. But I just I envision an automatic yeah. here in this discussion. Although I am going to say, you know, Paul Newman won his class at Le Mans. The day he turned 70, the, yes. movie, the movie Nobody's Fool came out. He won Le Mans. He turned 70 years old. All in the same weekend back in 1985. Most of us are not going to turn 70 like this. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Guy's Most my of us, hero. I know. Just Most saying it's a bit of a throw down there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's quite a bar. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, Okay, so back to these old cars. And we've been talking about these throughout the film and thinking, all right, so you have this old car or the hot supercar. And do you drive it? Do you mm. actually take it out and use it for what it's intended for? And I so. I kind of made the joke like, well, I've got a rocket launcher. And everybody says, wow, what a great rocket launcher. What do you <laughs> do you use it? <laughs> well, well, no, I not really. I just I have it, though. I have a rocket launcher. Though. Yeah. Isn't is, it cool? Isn't it cool? Like, do you want to see my <laughs> cool <laughs> rocket launcher? It's Whatever like that is. That, it's like the guys that buy the old World War II tanks. Well, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I use that as an example. Insert anything here. But you know what I mean? You have the cool thing. I mean, I kind of do it with furniture, but I still sit in the furniture. I, I like the chair, and so I have that cool chair, but I still yeah. sit in it. Do you use your car, or is it just a museum piece, and you're looking at it? Or will you get a car, and you know it's going to run? You can have it serviced. It's not going to be like, ooh, oh, yeah. Parts for those you get from, you know, Bill down and, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that kind of thing. And I, I want you to have a modern car. Good, because I good want luck you finding, to... fixing that car, you know. Totally. That's my concern. I want you to have a car. If this email, if this email from Matt was about how his dad is looking forward to being in the garage and having time to work on a car, this would be a totally different conversation. You're right. That's Absolutely. a different story. But that's right not there. the conversation here. The conversation here is, I want a car I can drive on the weekends, which means I want to go into the garage and I want to turn the key and it starts. And it's going to run, and we're going to go do whatever we're going to do, antiquing or driving for fun or whatever. We're going to go to lunch. It's going to be great. keep up antiquing. Because it's mentioned in here. That's, That's why I brought it up. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not something I, I'm recommending, but it's something they're going to do together. Which is great. So it just needs to run every time we it's get in it. a lot of space. It needs, to have, uh, it needs to have nice air conditioning. It needs to be reliable. That's a modern car. And, and it'll be more comfortable, too. Completely. Yeah. Servicing. I'm just thinking about, yeah, if you had said, Matt, that your dad is going to spend a lot of time in the garage, as Todd said. Mm-hmm. Puttering around, working on the car, wrenching on things, great. That's a that's one story. But I just think from a servicing, you're just going to want to drop the car off, get the oil changed, get the service done, and you've got your cool car again. And mm-hmm. we're touching, really. I mean, 
there's other cars that we could recommend. Sure. But this is kind of where the sweet spot for Corvettes is because of the price. Because mm-hmm. it keeps coming back to, yeah, they just, just kind of run, and they're well-priced. I didn't spend a whole lot of money, and you can get something pretty modern. But there's clearly a conversation here that is, you used to have a Corvette, let's get you another one. So, okay, I'm yeah. not going to shy you away from that. I, I see the, the specialness of that, but let's also just get one that runs. All right, so touching on this auction business here, we have gone to the Pebble Beach Monterey auctions, which are an entirely different level of money and craziness. But what about the auctions for, you know, you you don't want to shop for the car on TV, Mm, and you know mm. all the specs, and you know what the announcers are going to say, and then you're making fun of the color guy going, really, that's what you said about the car? I could tell you so much more. Yeah. But... You want to go to the auctions specifically in Scottsdale, and I thought, Chance, you could talk to this because you've been to these before. I'd actually like to go, but it's like 15 miles long of tent and cars and... (laughs) Pretty (laughs) much. Isn't it close to that? Yeah. uh, So I grew up in Tucson, and one year we went up to Scottsdale. It's only an hour and a half drive from where I lived, really, maybe two. But we went up, and this was, wow, this was 11 years ago now, and... uh, there's so much to see there. You're way more to see than you see on TV. It's an all-day thing if you're there just to look at the cars, not even bid. Mm, you're looking wow. all day because there's that much there. And that's not even like that's not even like climbing around them and looking and really looking. That's like, wow, that's cool. Ooh, I like that. Well, keep Ooh, moving. Over there. Keep Ooh, moving. Look over there. I spotted something else. Look, then, let's go look at that. And then <laughs> we got to go. go. We got to go. Right. And the auction tent itself is something like a quarter mile long. Oh. And there's vendors in there. Some of the manufacturers bring show cars now, and there's stuff going on outside, like drifting. And Of course. This is blown up. It's all kinds of madness going on there. But it's still really fun. And and one of your questions was, can you find deals at these auctions? We kind of touched on that earlier. Yes and no, depending on what you're looking at. Mm. Make them you can. I I saw an 89 BMW E30 M3 sell for like 30 grand because it was being sold at a hot rod auction yeah the hot rodders are like i don't know what to do with this thing (laughs) anybody into the european stuff here you go nobody cared (laughs) when i went to to barrett jackson scottsdale there there was a i forget what year it was but it was a a lamborghini countach at barrett jackson (laughs) you're kidding me so out of place And, you know, I'd love to go back and grab it now, but it sold yeah. for like 55, 60 grand. Oh, you're grand. kidding me. Back then they were selling for 80, oh 80 or so, but it was... But a Chevy know, 2 rolls wrong... across the block that's, you know, been customized right, a... and rotted and bidding starts at 80 grand. Right, or a what? Chip Deuce or Boyd Coddington, a- whatever, like Shelby that. product yeah. thing with the stuff, a Yanko Corvette, you know, all that kind of stuff. Those things go for insane money, and you're not going to find deals on those, because those are the ones that are like... Here's what they trade for, and here's what the auction price is. Add yeah. another twenty grand on it, if yeah. not more. Yeah. Although I always have such an issue with the tastefulness or lack thereof of the paint. It's always terrible. It, there's nothing like restrained <laughs> or subtle. But isn't sure. that the point of hot rotting? But sure. then yeah, yeah. the yeah. paint colors are like, wow! I never there's a lot of flake in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think the flakes are standing straight up. Look how they catch the light. I would never be caught dead driving that thing. Like, it's a... Metal flake and chrome. Lots and lots of chrome. But I, I speak for me. That's me. So, yeah, I, I think we should go to the auction sometime. Just 
this is, you know, the the real auctions where, sure. okay, say you can't find a deal, but they're more reasonably priced than yeah. the Monterey or the, the crazy auctions yeah. that we all read about around the world that are like, hey, the $2 million thing sold and... Well, I, I would say if you're into older sure, cars, that's relatable. if you're into hot rods and muscle cars, that is absolutely a thing to be on your bucket list to go see. Mm, Just mm. go to the not not the one in Vegas, not the one in Palm Springs or wherever else they have them nowadays. Go to the one in Scottsdale, which was the first place they did them, and it's it's just it's ginormous. It's a five day, six day, whatever <laughs> long auction now. Yeah, when I went, it yeah. was three or four. You're exhausted, and, and... it's just. And the funny thing is, too, is this is Arizona, and most of the cars, unless it's the really high-dollar prime-time auction slots, yeah. those are parked inside. Everything else is outside of oh. tents. Oh, yuck. And they are always covered in dust. Yeah, sure. There's yeah. people walking in. There's the wind. Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> January in, in Scottsdale, so it's dry. And they will line up the cars when they're about to get on the auction block. They have a squad of detailers that detail the car completely an hour or so before oh my gosh. before they go up on the block. When is well, it not dry in Arizona though? Does it ever like Arizona is humid and it's really wet this week. You know, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever says that. They have their days, but it's rare. <laughs> All right, so Matt and family, clearly you've heard us. We're shooting for more modern for you. Obviously You're shopping here. Corvettes. Go do some test drives. We want to hear about yeah. what you come up with and, and where you decide on that. Thank you for writing in. If you have your own car debate, it is everydaydrivertv at gmail. Of course, you can also reach us through the website. While you're on the website, check out the store, which is now all through Amazon. It also has some Amazon recommendations on it as well. We'd love that. And while you're on Amazon, you may as well watch the show on Prime. <laughs> and please give it a rating because that actually helps yeah, that. And you can rate the podcast. We just appreciate your rating, so honestly, we don't have to. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve the gas mileage. Why? Because the car is now lighter. And you can place your key fob on your chin or against your temple and increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might not be aware of. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what other people paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with a True Car certified dealer. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Hey, we've got to talk about Amsoil. You know why we like Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports and cars, and they get it. Amsoil has created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It's insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing more power out of your engine. You can get your copy for free at amsoil.com driver. Plus, you can learn how the Amsoil Signature Series synthetic motor oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than is required by the industry standard. So don't forget, go to amsoil.com slash driver to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. 
Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, a chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. We're back, and we're going to do all questions in the second half of the podcast. Maybe a little shorter than normal, but we are still shooting, so there's stuff to In fact, I have footage to download from today. Yeah, we've got to go dump footage We've got to do that, but we're, we're yeah. thrilled to be able to do a podcast and, and connect with you guys again. We, we apologize for the difference in sound recording, but we are going to cover multiple questions. There have been so many great ones on Instagram, Facebook, etc. Thank you for doing all of that. I'm going to start with Mr. Bill 562 he just noticed that our local racetrack in Utah, we're not in Utah right now, but our local racetrack in Utah used to be called Miller Motorsports Park. It's now called Utah Motorsports Campus, and it's just yep. been officially bought by My Time or Me Time. It's essentially the My parent time. company of Geely, who owns Volvo and Lotus. So we'd like to see a Lotus driving school. But the biggest question to come out of all of this from <laughs> Mr. Bill is the city that it's in is spelled. I have to spell it for you so you understand what I'm talking about. T-O-O-E-L-E. Now, when I moved this is, this is to different. Utah from yeah. California and looked up where the local racetrack was, I went, oh, it's in Thule. Because, I'm sorry, but T-O-O-E-L-E is Thule. But not in Utah, it's not. In Utah, it's Tooele. I'm still not seeing how... Sit down amongst yourselves. I've sounded it out. Tooele. Tooele. Sit Tooele down amongst yourselves. is not in there. Yes, sit down amongst it's yourselves and try to figure out how that spelling became Tooele. But if you say to anybody anywhere in Utah, I'm going to Thule, they will look at you like you dropped from the sky. But Tooele makes sense to people, so that's how it's pronounced. Oh, now, to be fair, it's like when you go to California and all the, the street names and everything are in Spanish. Yes. Well, Tooele, if I, if I have my history correct... Tuella is a Native American word. I don't know what it means, but it's, it's It doesn't some... mean Tuella. I know that. <laughs> no, I know anyway, that much. Yeah. But and that, it doesn't mean racing kind of or Lotus kind of... Driving Academy. <laughs> that's for sure. Come on. All right. There's a question on here from Ariopolis asking, any tips for finding a good parking lot for when the snow falls? I will say from experience, make sure whatever parking lot you do find and it's snow covered because clearly you're going to want to go drifting. Mm-hmm. I can I can read between the lines here. Oh, of course, you're, there's not even reading between the lines. That's, yeah, that's it's, what it's we're doing. pretty that's obvious. Just what you're for. Well, make sure that the um, sometimes there's little islands. Yes. Where there's lights, you know, the big, you know, uh-huh. parking lot lights, yeah, yeah. the security lights, whatever that is. So there can be those uh, curb stops hidden under the mm-hmm, snow. Mm-hmm. Actually, go. Go looking, even though, you know, making fresh tracks is tempting and all, but, you know, folding a wheel under since you've slid sideways into an invisible curb that you didn't know was there is worse than going to sleuth the parking lot first. And just making sure everything's cool before you think, oh, it's perfectly flat and nice and I'll just drift between the poles. No, you won't. It's, it's almost better to go scouting before it even snows in the first That's place. That's what I was going to say. That way you, yeah. just, you just know which parking lots to go to. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, you've got to um, spy them when they're dry, and you've got to look for the for the the curb stops, and you've got to look for how the lights placed, and where 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 do they have the little islands of shrubbery and stuff? You have to fit, look at all that before it gets any snow, and then you go, oh, that's a good one because it's flat. We'll just and, say and it's you, business parks, industrial parks, you know, things yeah. like you know, trucking companies, that kind of thing. I I wouldn't know anything about that actually. Of course and, not. And when you're done, just leave. Don't hang out. Leave. <laughs> Don't admire the tracks <laughs> yes, that you've done. I've around for a while. Don't stop in the middle of the parking lot, in the middle of your cra- your tracks, and call somebody and tell them how often it was. Move on. Move and, on. And also, don't post on social media either, because people are like, oh, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, Ryan S. on Facebook was asking uh, what we think of the new four-door Mustang that's rumored. There's this... Uh, what do you think, Chance? Uh, that's a curiosity question. Yeah, this, that's why I want to bring it up. Uh, you may have seen on on social media. There's been um, these renderings that have come out. That's actually someone played with Facebook and stretched a press photo to make it have four more doors or two more doors. <laughs> but uh, it, I like the idea. It, I'm fine with it. The fusion kind of looks Mustang-like, anyways, or mm, the other way around because mm. the Mustang came second. But um, I think if they do bring it out, they should definitely not call it a Mustang. Because it's a four-door Mustang. That's just wrong to me. Yeah. But what they should call it is Resurrect the Falcon name. They had it in Australia. Oh, okay. It was oh. a four-door rear-wheel drive coyote-powered like car. Like it. Call it a Falcon and bring it worldwide. Huh. Interesting. I see that. That's I see what that. I think. I'm surprised yes, Ford hasn't called you yet. And yes, to... bring it on. Yeah. Please, okay. bring it on. You're thinking so? I think so. Okay. Kia, well... the Stinger needs a competitor. Oh. Ford hasn't really done the a... The Stinger SS. and the Falcon. Well, and, Wasn't and that a TV show from the 70s? It probably is. Probably was a fantastic TV show from the 70s. It was a lawyer and some sort of angry person. Yeah, exactly. Stinger and the Falcon. Anyway, yeah, so that happened. The thing is, though, Ford has decided to stop making cars. Are we really going to decide the only car we're going to make is going to be a four-door Mustang? That really confuses me. But here's here's the, the what everyone's saying about that, though, is they've said they're going to keep that focus, whatever it is, and the Mustang. Yeah. So you keep the Mustang name, and that allows them to not be liars. And True, but keep having that's, a four-door that's car. a weird but stretch. But that's a weird stretch, and I think that's just people being wish, having wishful thinking. Yeah. Damn it, Patton asked a question that I feel like is directed entirely at me, even though he didn't mean for it to. He just said, hey, is the Corvette film going to be out in time for Christmas <laughs> so I can buy one for my father? Uh, the reason that that bothers me, damn it, Patton, is because I'm the one editing. It's now entirely on me. Uh, I'm trying uh-huh. really hard to get that film out before Christmas so we can get it on Blu-ray by a week or two. I'll just, look, I'll tell you right now, and I probably will regret saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The, the target date is the 15th of December. Okay, so the hope is that we will have the film done by then so that we can actually have it on Blu-ray and you can order it and you can have it show up in the 10 days to follow before Christmas. But even though I've said that, please don't quote me because there's a lot of editing to do. It's 13 cars now. It's going to be every bit of a two-hour film, I think. I don't know yet, but I'm I think I'm okay so. with that. Yeah, well, you're okay with it because you're thorough. not editing it. Well, <laughs> hey, we're thorough. We're, we're nothing if not thorough. We're working yeah. on it, for sure. All right, Michael C. asking on Instagram, what are our design impressions of the new McLaren Speedtail? Thank you for asking. Michael, yes, I've been wanting to get to this, actually, and I keep forgetting to answer your question, so thank you for writing. I'm intrigued by it. I, th- I see elements of uh, old McLarens in the design, but... First of all, let's start with the seating position. Center seating position, they've brought mm-hmm. it back. 
I like what they've done. It just seems like a little bit of retro McLaren going on for my taste. Mm. Not that I want them to continue pushing forward down the center route, which is just flat out ugly and yes. determined only by the wind tunnel. Yes. This was, you know, wind tunnel too, but the designers did have a lot of input. I'm seeing a big difference now that the design director is no longer Frank Stevenson. Mm. He has moved on. Mm. And there's a new design director, though, so I'm I'm seeing... Uh, an influence away from that uh, classic McLaren shape that is on the 570 headlights. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm seeing the the new direction of McLaren, and it's cleaner, it's sleek, but it's not saying specific DNA to me. It's saying a little bit of bland, generic. That car could kind of look like anything, and it could also look like some sort of cool startup that somebody thought of a cool car and we designed mm-hmm. this thing. It doesn't say. McLaren to me at first glance. Okay, it's interesting okay. enough, and then I learn and it's a McLaren. I think, oh, okay, yeah, center seating position. I see that. I'm not a huge fan of the wheel covers, but that's an aerodynamic thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not looking at it initially thinking, wow, they're really, you know, they've really brought that McLaren beautiful. I I can tell it's McLaren right away, and I will say there was a McLaren. I forget the name of it. It's an XC1 or X1 or something like that. It was black. It was a one-off. It was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Paul? They're not always spot on. No. And everybody loves the Senna and goes gaga for the Senna, but it's not pretty. It's not like... They're intrigued by it, but wow. I don't think anybody's yeah. really coming out and going, wow, that's a pretty car. I don't think... I think the consensus on that car has been, wow, the wind tunnel was not kind to that design. Well, see, yeah. I, I think... I don't like the Senna. I think it's ugly. And I don't like this new speed tail. I think it's ugly, too. I think that... I, for one, why did they bring it out? I know they, they've been hinting at this center seat car for a couple of years now. Which is great. But bring they just, it back. They just did the Senna, which is the ultimate of the ultimate of the ultimate McLaren. Yeah. What is this mm-hmm. supposed to be? <laughs> and, you know, when you look at, you talk design, the Senna is just ridiculous. And you see kind of, you see it in person and you kind of see things make sense, but it's not pretty. It's, yeah. de- it's de- definitely aero-dependent design sure whereas the speed tail it's like they went the other direction and it's like they put a cone over the chassis and that's kind of what you're looking at michael ultimately i see this as mclaren dipping a a toe into the pool of of new design and should Mm -hmm. we should we try this direction and kind of trying it out on the rest of us (laughs) they're they're kind of trying out the new design language without really doing something that is striking it's kind of bland. It's a cool sports car shape, but you look at it and you take the McLaren badge off, what would you think it is? It's a great question. It's a great question. I don't say it's a McLaren. I, I'm not sure what it is yet. What I also think is interesting about McLaren, and I really like them, and I actually aspire to own one because in many ways I think McLaren is doing what I wish Lotus was doing, and so I'm really intrigued. It's an aspirational brand for me. However... I'm kind of surprised at the shift I'm seeing in that brand. And one of the things that surprised me, and it started happening right away with the MP412C. Terrible name. But from then on, I feel like McLaren <laughs> has that. steadily been trying to not make product lines, but just create something new that replaces and supersedes the thing they just sold six months ago. And I look at, mm. you know, you look at everybody else. You look at the Ferraris and the Porsches and the, all those kind of guys. I feel like they have created product channels They've stayed in those channels, and they update those channels. I almost feel like every new release of a McLaren is now the ultimate McLaren, and all the McLarens that came before are less important, and we've... I just... 
when, when are we going to create a portfolio of ranges of cars? I mean, they tried that with the 570 and the mm-hmm. 650 and the 720. They've tried it. But I also feel like the release the next week is, well, this new car makes all of those obsolete. It's just like, where's the product line thinking? I don't feel like that yet. I feel like it's it's kind of internal one-upsmanship. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and look at the product line. What is the styling DNA hmm. that okay. is the, Fair. the through line, the Fair. thread of all these cars? It's aerodynamics and carbon fiber and the purpose of the car. Yeah. It's not necessarily styling. So maybe that is McLaren's DNA. Maybe that is what yeah. they're doing. I take that point. Okay, that's possible. Uh, Dartman had an interesting question I wanted to try to speak to. I'm not going to have a definitive answer, but I'll tell you where I am right now because this is an ongoing discussion. My son is almost nine. He's car obsessed because his can't dad's car obsessed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's car obsessed because his dad is car obsessed. Nine he loves, going on 30. Yeah, seriously. He <laughs> loves the Lotus. He really likes the Lancer. He likes the Lancer more than the Mini. We've talked about that with him at length. Uh, and so he's he's definitely a car guy. But his dad, how do I put this tactfully? His dad drives quickly. Yeah, I do. So Dartman's saying, how do I balance what's being described as spirited driving with the fact that my son is seeing how I drive and he sees the kind of driver that I am and he knows that I drive quickly? How am I not influencing him badly? Well, we'll see how badly I've done when he actually is driving. That's part of it. But but two things, two things, though, that have happened that I feel like I'm where I'm trying to be careful in this regard. The main thing that I get across to him, no matter what I'm doing, is when I'm driving the car, that's all I'm doing. He has that little kid thing where he's like, hey, Dad, look at this. And I will say to him, not right now, buddy. I'm driving. I love that you're yeah. making that impression and keep sticking on it because it might not have sunk in yet. Yeah. But it will. Just and keep I've noticed, letting that happen. I've please. noticed even recently when I've done it a couple of times, it's like, that's right. That's right. You are. He, he, he's starting to get it, even though he has that instinct where he wants to show me whatever he's looking at, the book or the phone. or He wants to show it to me. And I'm like, can't look right now, bud. He's like, oh, that's right. You can't. So it's starting mm-hmm. to register. Mm-hmm. So I want him to see that when I'm driving, that's what I'm doing is I'm just driving. So that's part of it. The other part of it is I've got him carting right now. And so that is love this. That is creating some level of responsibility with moving the car around. And of course, he thinks he's awesome, but he also knows there's lots of faster kids. So that's at least showing him that when you make a move, there's a response in the car. Those are the two things I've done so far. But the only thing I feel like I can get across to him right now is we don't do anything else when we drive. We Mm. just drive. Mm. And I feel like if he learns how to pay attention, I have accomplished something that. That's the only way you can speed and not be reckless. Or drive slow and not be reckless, is you're paying attention. Sure. I think it's important to note, too, that when you are driving spiritedly, there's a time and a place. And I think, yes. I think he recognizes that. Because when you're driving, driving him to school, you're not driving, you're not hooning. True, you're, true. You're that's a great point. You're driving. Yes. But when yes. you're going up to a canyon or up to a fun back road... Mm-hmm. That's the time and the place. Yes. He's he's definitely seen that I drive differently depending upon the conditions and the kind of driving that's necessary. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Fundamentals asks, uh, does high mileage on used cars matter? Uh, like, not high mileage on used cars, but high mileage used cars with long service records. Mm. Uh, his example is like a 175,000 mile 911 with every service record it's ever had that's always up to date. Um, well, as someone who just bought a 150,000-mile 911... <laughs> yes, how it, are your feelings it, on this? It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who do we know that has 150,000-mile uh, Well, this car had no service records when I bought it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. Even better. Whiskey. It's, 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 it's like Whiskey. the exact twist of this. Yeah. 
um, you know, having a pre-purchase inspection, as we were, we're always bragging on about, is important. But it's also important to note that these inspections, they're not a, a safety net. I mean, they'll tell you what they can see right now, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean next week something's not going to break. Fair point, fair point. Uh, my other side of this coin is we ha- we once bought a 2009 Volkswagen Jetta. It was a CPO car, certified pre-owned. It was still on warranty when we bought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the s- second that warranty ran out, it had 50,000 miles, it started having problems. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my god! And so we got rid of the car. So just be- just because the car has been inspected or had all these, re- these records doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bulletproof. True, true. Things yeah. can still happen. I mean, I would de- definitely say the higher mileage. Look, I'm the guy that bought the 180,000-mile Mini. Okay, but the guy had constant records that it was one owner. He had a garage. You saw and his that, garage. It was which spotless. It was actually spotless. mattered more than the service That records. made me realize yeah. this guy was serious. So I took a gamble on that car, but I also didn't spend much on that car. So the thing about a high mile uh, 911 or whatever is can you see that the appropriate records have been done? And the truth is, by 150, I mean, you're finding this with yours, Chance, by 150,000. There is stuff that has reached the end of its life. There's stuff that has worn out on that car. Has mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. been replaced? Because even if it's great records, and he's always done oil changes, but he hasn't replaced some major components, things like shocks and stuff that you know will have worn out maybe even twice by that point, you're going to put that money in. And with cars that have these kind of miles, it's important to test drive them. Absolutely. I mean, that's going to be your biggest telltale is how it drives. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you have yeah. to ask yourself, okay, I can tell it needs these things. Is it worth it to me to buy it and then put this kind of money into it to get, mm, bring it back mm. into life? Which for me, with my 911, it was. Mm-hmm, sure. And I knew going into it, it needed suspension. It needed tie rods. It needed tires. Yeah. I knew going into it, it needed these things. So if you're okay with doing that, then by all means, go buy the thing. But if you're not, or if it, there's something just you just can't get past, then walk away from it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. There's a question over here from Scott P., who asks us about Land Cruisers. He says, Land Cruisers are built to last at least 25 years. I have no way of corroborating that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that memo, but okay, apparently. So we'll go with okay. And, Scott, thanks for writing. He says, if you don't need the off-road capability of the Land Cruiser, what would be the road car equivalent in terms of build quality and longevity? I'm going to answer that question by reading Mark B's question. <laughs> okay. Not trying to open Pandora's box, but what makes Porsche so special? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, really? You're going there? Okay. All right. Look. All right. The truck manufacturers, Toyota is obviously long-term. The, the trucks are driven worldwide, and they just seem to mm-hmm. run. Right? They start out as, as somebody's, How do fun, they do that? somebody's fun truck that they haul their mountain bike in. Then it becomes somebody's... Uh, landscaping vehicle, then it winds up with a, with a 50 cal mount into the back somewhere in Africa. This is the right. progression of a Toyota truck. <laughs> I'd like to know what happens after that, but maybe we'll never know. That's frightening, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I would also say, you know, the, the older car equivalent of this is the Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. All right. I mean, those, I mean, the build quality is not there, but as far as maintenance goes and just them just working and running and being easy to maintain. Yeah. That's just. I mean, they're gonna. That's that's like the old Toyota trucks. Yeah. They are. I mean, no, they're not bulletproof, but they work. And when you something does happen, why won't fix. this car die? Why won't it yeah. die? Yeah. All right, Scott. Yeah. These guys are gonna laugh at me, but I'm gonna say, go find if you can an '80s Porsche 911 and slam the door. 
just oh, we're just doing doors. Listen to that sound. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Things like the engineering and the sheet metal thickness and all the decisions behind how the car should be built because. You know, engineers have to decide weight, yeah, and they have yeah. to decide, okay, what is the production process? And, you know, they're not a charity organization. They have to build cars to be able to sell for a profit. Mm-hmm. All those decisions factor into the, can we make money with this equation? And I, I come back to Porsches holding their value for so long, but you can make the argument for Toyota. You can make the argument for you know old Ford trucks or whatever that is, but... Mm-hmm. You're asking the car equivalent, and I'm I'm leaning on the Germans and the Europeans and the the decisions that you think, well, that was over-engineered, but wow, look how long it's kind of lasted. Now, this is a general statement. Sure, there's yeah, plenty yeah. of rusted out. Yeah, you know, wow, that didn't last at all. It was poorly taken care of. Everything, you know, the environment beats on your car. You yeah, know, the yeah, sun, yeah. wind, rain, whatever it is. And so I'm coming to that as the road car equivalent. Porsche is just, you know, especially from the, you know, 70s, 80s. And look at these cars and mm-hmm. you think, wow, so many screws and, you know, the, the weight of the door and all that kind of stuff. That That's sort of the giveaway. And I can see that. Mark, I can see to answer you your question, there. that's what makes it special for me. And there's a lot of car companies that have plenty of racing history and pedigree. But Porsche has, you know, won Le Mans so many times and... They they experiment, and yet every car you look at every model that they've made, mm-hmm. and unlike McLaren, they're consistent in design language throughout the decade <laughs> of boring. No, styling no, that they have done. Their design done. language is well. And I'm we talking changed. about the front engine cars. I'm talking about the 914s. I'm talking about you know a consistent. See, they're laughing at me. I am. See, Ma- Mark, you. I told asked, you they would. You've asked Paul to you. quickly tell you why he likes Porsche, and you have no idea. <laughs> Talk about Pandora's box. You have no idea. How long this could go? We're how Todd and many, I are sitting here trying to keep weeds. the door closed yeah. on this. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. writing the theme song right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I would I'm composing say, the music. To... You know, uh, Mercedes from the '80s. Those cars seem to run in spite of people. I they mean, do. those are the ones you just pull up they behind. Need you. A lot of service. How is that car yeah. still running? I, right, I, right. You know, I've seen. I've, I've actually been places where I've seen Mercedes where it looks like body panels are going to fall off from rust, but it's still running. You know, so, they kind of overdid things in yeah. terms of. I mean, I've designed a lot of products, and I think, wow, I could make, you know, choose to make that part a little bit thicker, but, you know, that would increase the cost. And, mm-hmm. okay, the production, how how are these being made? Is it, you know, people torturing metal in a factory? Is it mm-hmm. an automated process? Is it, you know, all those things have to go into, into the consideration. And it always seemed like those cars, they erred on the side of, you know what, let's just make that sheet metal a little bit thicker. Let's just let's just go ahead and do that. It's yeah. going to last a little bit longer. Yeah, they it's kind of over-engineered kind of over in that do era. Kind of overdo it a little here and there. And, yeah. You know, you think, well, they didn't really need to make this part that robust, but, well, at least it lasted this long. Well, and I think that was an interesting kind of difficulty that Mercedes went through because I feel like in the 90s it was clear they started to try to go, we need to cut some costs. So they started to cut some corners, yeah. and the reliability dropped like crazy. I mean, like, Mercedes were known to be the reliables. And then in the late 90s, Lexus comes in and shows everybody how to do reliable on luxury cars, and Mercedes spent about a decade playing catch-up. Well, yeah, and the decisions to make little gears out of plastic. And you think, well, now my glove box door opener, the gear broke because sure, it's yeah. plastic. Yeah, Why yeah, did yeah. they make it out of plastic? Why couldn't they make the casting and 
you know, the, the, all those decisions go into play here. But I could go on. Porsche built tractors. You could go on. They started oh, with tractors. No, of course you could go on. So okay. did Lamborghini. But, you know, Porsche yeah, started with uh-huh. tractors. Yeah. They learned from the, anyway, the roots. I mean, just look at, okay, I'll give you an example. A two, my 99, or my 2000 911 versus a 2000 Mustang, Camaro, Camry, whatever. <laughs> They're built very very differently and they last true very, very differently. true yeah mm-hmm. i could see that yeah would you buy it would you buy your 2000 mustang or camaro probably not you bought a 2000 911 i see where you go yeah. there in spite of not being the porsche guy i get it but oh the porsche pandora's box anyway yeah <laughs> it's still open we've still got to talk about jeff d's question here about ford bringing the probe name back he's suggesting mm, probe mm. since we touched on the four-door mustang yeah. And he asked us a question, he said a week or two ago, and, and Jeff, I did see your question as well. I've been thinking about this. Should Ford bring back the Probe nameplate? They did two okay. generations of the Probe. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. while I was interning there, I got to meet the designer of the Probe, Sid okay. Chang. Okay. Really talented designer. And he said, should this be brought back for an electric nameplate? And mm, Jeff, I, I think you're, you're probably thinking about Ford's announcement when they're going to you know all these you know, electric platforms mm-hmm, that they've been talking mm-hmm. about, even though they're talking about killing cars and probe was associated with cars. It's never necessarily been associated with an SUV or a, a CUV platform. It's a funny name. I, I mean, you could start cracking jokes about it and kind of go in one direction, but <laughs> eh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I don't know that it had enough legacy, even though I liked the car. I don't know that the name had enough legacy, like, Taurus or F one fifty or it was yeah it was never a big icon for them something like that but they let's be honest we're living in a time where it's difficult to get the branding for a new name because everything's taken they clearly already have that one and it would be a good nameplate for an electric car because it by its nature suggests either space or medical equipment jokes so yeah (laughs) yeah well I've I've got two things I as a Mustang guy I hate the probe is the probe is what the Mustang was going to turn into yeah. That's what yeah. that was to replace the Mustang, and it's it's just no. But yeah. to go to the <laughs> just the, no, that's yeah. a hot rodder's response if I've ever heard <laughs> it one. Really is. Just it really no. Is. But, but to to turn it into an electric car, yeah, I think that's a good idea. But Ford has already came back with the Mach One name, and they're saying that's going to be an electric crossover or something like that. Which again, that's <laughs> kind of. How many use, use the popular. probe name, not the Mach One name, because Mach One and I that's agree. hallowed Mustang, ground. Not, you're you're treading on hallowed yes. ground with Mach One right yeah. there. Yes, that's yeah. that's You'd just not get, cool. You know, hot rodders throwing rocks at the glass house in Detroit if that <laughs> happened. Yeah. What else do we have here, guys? Um, oh, actually, here's one that I want to answer that relates. People are asking me questions that are making me stressed. Scott's got a question on here that says, when will I drop the first Lancer video? Did you hear about the Corvette edit? Did you hear about that part? Look, I really want to, but the truth is it'll probably be sometime early 2019 just because I really can't distract myself from anything but Corvette movie right now or TV episodes, but mainly Corvette movie right now to get that done by mid, uh, mid-December for our friend Dammit Patton who wants to buy it for his dad. So, yeah, no pressure. That's going on. But he also asked me, how's the exhaust search going the search of finding an, a, a stock exhaust, I think I found a couple of ways to get that done. I am not thrilled with the price. I'm still digging around to see if I can find a better deal. I'm also working on my carchaeology. Yes, I brought it back. Yes, Ding. he's I'm still working using on that, that because word. I'm trying. I'm trying to see if I can get to, and a couple of you sent me a couple of ways to do it. Thank you. 
I'm trying to see if I can actually find the prior owner, not because I, I have any issues I want to bring up. I just want to see if I can find out from them, what is this exhaust and how much did you put on? I want to understand what it is because I yeah, can't. The, yeah. the forums haven't even been helpful to me. They've been like, oh, yeah, good luck, which is not really what you want from a forum. <laughs> so I'm still trying to find that out. I'd really like to get a, a, a conclusion on what exhaust I have so that I can do that right. There are pieces of that Lancer video that have already been shot. It's just, it needs to get edited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ben C. was asking, is there, is there something wrong with starting a Hot Wheels collection of my lottery-winning fantasy garage? <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> Nothing. I'm, I'm a pretty big Hot Wheels collector. I have a big, giant box that I keep them in, and some of them are on my desk at work, and some of them are on my landing at home. It drives my wife nuts. <laughs> but uh, I, I've got a, a lot of them, and, and I'll, I'll have to post a picture sometime. It's just the ones I have on my desk at work. It's ridiculous. Then I'm going to say display. Think display so you can really bore the people who are not car people and come over to your house and they really ask, bother everyone else. what's that? And <laughs> you can really see their eyes glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> How to annoy your friends well, by everyday I'm driver. I'm just saying display. And I if you, you've got a cool display, then you've got the story instead of, well, wait, 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 let me pull out the box and you're, they're buried deep in your wherever, you know, a drawer somewhere. You've got a cool, like, acrylic and, and you know, a light pipe underneath lighting up the bottom of the car like you would see when they're for sale. And wow. make it like a display cool really garage with it. your Hot Wheels. Okay. All right. Then that will be the lottery winning garage of Hot Wheels. <laughs> I, right. I actually have a. It's all funny, about presentation. All about. I have a funny food, story that goes wheels. along with that. Uh, I've got a 118 scale Ford GT40 on my. my desk at work mm-hmm. and uh, when i first got it uh one of my coworkers who says he's a car guy but you, the more you listen to him talk about cars he really doesn't know what he's talking about Good one news. of those but uh <laughs> he he picks up the gt40 he's like oh this is a pretty cool looking car is this a corvette and how far did you take that and i'm just like did you take that far mm-hmm. he probably wanted to hurt I'm his co-worker sure. he almost got fired that day <laughs> by, by no chance at all yeah Guys, thank you a million for writing to us. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're on the road. We're still doing shooting here in Los Angeles. Back to regularly scheduled programming and regular podcasting next week. We're looking forward to your questions. Please keep asking us questions, and thank you for the social media questions as well. Well, to that point, actually, keep in mind that episode 350 is coming up, and that will be an all-questions podcast. So brace yourself. Maybe yeah. I should say that to us. We need to brace ourselves because yeah, that will get We nuts. need to brace ourselves. Yep. All right. Thanks a million. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, a chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran 
for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.